going to go? I don't know, but look who's holding the hammer now. It's the mighty Thor. Banded together from remote galaxies are the most sinister villains of all time. The Legion of Dudes. Dude. His dudeness. Duder. El Duderino. Dude. Dude. Dedicated to a single objective. The conquest of the universe. I must have revenge on the God of Thunder. And I shall not rest until it is mine. It's the Legion of Dudes podcast. Thus the danger is ended. The battle won. And the magic hammer of Thor returned to the noblest immortal of them all. And now, here's the dudes. Salutations. Welcome to Legion of Dudes podcast. And this week we're going to be talking about Thor Volume 2 by J. Michael Straczynski, Marco Dervedic, and Oliver Coipel. And uh, tonight we have on the roster uh, the illustrious Johnny M. Hi there. The even more illustrious Russell Latham. And our prodigal son returning after a long absence, our good friend Adam Reed. How's it going? Hey! And Good to, see, good to have you back, Adam. And in addition to all this gloriousness, as if we could make the podcast any better, we have an extra special guest from the Half Hour Wasted podcast, our own Brad. How are you doing tonight? Brad? Hey, guys. I'm doing good. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. I got to uh, say, you guys are knocking out the, the Green uh, Lantern podcasts. All those have been pretty daggum awesome. Well, thank you. And they are done. <laughs> so that's cool. But I'm actually only halfway through the through the the last one. I started it today, actually, but uh, so far it's been great, like all of them. Yeah, they were kind of like a marathon, but they were really cool, and uh, we tried to time it so that you know it was right around Blackest Night, and it actually worked out to the day of the release awesome. of Blackest Night. So, if you want to check all that fun stuff out, all three of our Green Lantern episodes, all the way from Green Lantern Rebirth up to Green Lantern 43, and then an audio blog. All about just Blackest Night number one, which also featured Brad. Thanks a lot for that, Brad. No problem. Uh, all available on our website, www.hhwlod.com or www.legionofdudes.com. Uh, either one will get you to the site. We have comic reviews, video game reviews, audio blogs, all kind of exclusive content you can only get on the website. So hop on over there, uh, point your uh, browser of choice to www.hhwlod and check it out. Check out all the goodies. And I believe our good friend from Long Island, Mr. Johnny M, has something to say about episode 50. Sure. Um, as everybody knows, the big episode 50 extravaganza is coming up August 2nd. Uh, we got a lot of cool stuff planned. We have a live stick'em show. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa! You guys actually made it to 50 episodes? Yeah. Um, we. Wow. It wasn't easy, dude. We like there was a couple of fist fights. Um, there were those uh, compromising pictures of UMAC too that we don't want to talk about. Right? Yes. Yeah. It was a long road, and when we look back at some of those uh, Watchmen shows and stuff, I I can't believe we made it either. All right. Yeah. Let me ask you guys. Yes, I said axe. Let me ask you guys, did you honestly think you'd make it to 50 shows? Because I know that neither Frank nor myself thought we'd make it as far as we have. So, You, you guys are on show like 500 now, right? Feels like it. <laughs> um, I definitely didn't even think that far in advance. 
Um, the material has come very easy to us. We haven't been stuck like, what are we going to talk about today? So it's kind of like flying by. I mean, that's how I feel about it anyway. I know for Russ, it's like a freaking eternity. <laughs> well, y'all have been doing great. Well, thank you. So we do have the big episode 50. We're going to go live on Stick'em. We have lots of prizes. We did a little hustling. We grabbed some sponsors. So we have some giveaways from Top Cow, Xenoscope, Magnolia Pictures, Titan Books, PDK Media. Um, so PDK we're looking D. at... Go ahead. PKD Media. What'd I say? PDK. Did not. Anyway. Yes, you did. PKD Media. And uh, we're looking to give some back to everybody that's supporting us. So definitely uh, hop on the website, get the link for the Stick'em page, and, and participate. And we are looking for voicemails right now, 516-468-7912. Uh, we'd like to hear what you would like from year two as we roll past episode 50 and get into our second year. We're looking for uh, recommendations. What books would you like to hear about? What movies? What kind of episodes did you like, didn't like? Who do you hate, love? Tell us. You know, that'll help us out, and we appreciate it. Um, you can also leave a, a video uh, voicemail for us on our Facebook site. Uh, if you're a friend of us on Facebook, you can join us there. The site for the Stick'em link is live.legionofdudes.com. And on uh, August 2nd and 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, that will take you right into the live uh, episode and the live chat room going on. Uh, one last thing. We are now a member of GeekerDome. Check out GeekerDome.com. It's a really cool concept. It's kind of like a hub for a bunch of geek-related blogs, uh, podcasts, video podcasts. They're kind of all collected on one page, so you could try some new stuff. And um, There is a toy video podcast that cracks me up. Uh, best beard ever is all I'll say. Um, <laughs> go to geekerdome.com and check them out. And real quick, I know Russ mentioned it last week, but uh, John Ostrander, who's a legendary comic book writer, he's been writing for DC since the 70s and 80s. Uh, he created the Suicide Squad. Uh, he wrote uh, Grimjack for first in the 80s. He's written tons of comic books over the years. If you're a comic fan, I'm almost, I'm very, very certain you've read some of his work. Uh, he is fighting uh, glaucoma right now, and uh, people, we're looking for uh, people who can maybe donate, kick a few bucks to him so he can get his uh, his eyesight back, pretty much. The uh, website for that, I believe, is www.comicsforsight, and that's C-O-M-I-X, the number four, S-I-G-H-T. Dot com. So, please, you know, give give a you know, give whatever you can. Give a little bit back to the this creator who's given so much to you over the years. Absolutely. And I think, uh, Mr. Milo, we will make a presence at um, the Dallas Con coming up here in a few weeks on August 15th through the 16th. Yes, absolutely. I'll be there. My, uh, I'm sure my older daughter will want to be there as well, so she'll be tagging along. I think uh, June Bob Kim is planning on making the drive-in. Yeah. Um, uh, on Twitter, I follow a local artist named David Hopkins. He actually wrote um, Astronaut Dad that was illustrated by Brent Schoonover. Um, he lives in Dallas. He, on one of his Twitters recently, he said that there was a special, he got word of a special guest that was lined up for the Dallas con, but he would not, uh, say who it was. So I'm, I'm intrigued by that. I know recently, um, J. Scott Campbell was also announced, uh, uh, to be there. I'm trying to pull up that website so I could just, I think the special guest is probably Frank. You think so? How does, well, I, okay. Yeah, that's probably. It could be Bill. Mm -hmm. They're both it special. Might 
They are special. Um, really quick, uh, we got Paul Smith, J. Scott Campbell, Jason Pearson, Brian Stelfries, Brandon Peterson, Steve Niles, Mitch uh, Breitweiser and his wife Elizabeth Breitweiser, uh, Josh Howard, John Lucas, Kerry Gamble, Kez Wilson. Uh, those are some of the artists that are going to be there. Uh, media guests, Dean Stockwell from uh, Quantum Leap, uh, Yancey Butler, star of Witchblade, Rene Abergenois and Nana Visitor, both from uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And Benson. Nana Visitor was on Benson. Rene Abergenois. His name real fast. And then uh, okay. Barry Bostwick is going to be there. And, yeah, that'll be Barry fun. Barry Bostwick, uh, best known from uh, Megaforce, right? <laughs> and yeah. uh, Spin City, Ugly Betty, stuff like that. He was in the Rocky, Rocky Horror, Horror Picture, Picture Show. Show. Also. Yeah. Yeah. And so, that, uh, go ahead. I'm, sorry. I'm I'm just I'm wondering who that that new guest is going to be, but um, you know, it's a good time. It's pretty much all we have nowadays here in Dallas since Wizard died. Yeah. Russell, are you bringing barbecue this time? I think we're going to yeah, we do some barbecue tail barbecue tailgating just like uh, we did for uh Wizard World Texas. That was some good stuff, man. Yeah, hopefully it won't be 150 degrees outside and you can enjoy it. Maybe we'll bring it inside and take over that little uh, that little um, uh, break room that has the vending machines that are the only source of food at this con, which is kind of crazy. And that reminded me, follow the Twitters. LOD tweet and half hour wasted at Twitter. We're just like media moguls. We're, in ev- we're everywhere. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been trying to Twitter more often under my own name. Um, now I got this new phone and uh, there's a app for it. There's an app. There's like 12 apps for Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. I think I there's, got one, there's, I got one there's called 20 e. apps on the Palm. Yeah. There's 20 apps on the Palm Tree, and I think six of them are Twitter apps. But it makes it easy to. Uh, I'm actually following Rain Wilson from The Office and Nathan Fillion. Sweet. Yeah. And Matt Fraction and Jeff Johns. They're funny. Yeah. Fraction doesn't to, stop. Fraction's if like. If you want to get a nice uh, stream of really weird tweets, then put Warren Ellis on your, uh, on your follow list. Seriously, guys should follow guys Nick. the weirdest tweets. <laughs> should follow Nick Nolte also. I don't know if it's the real Nick Nolte, and I think it's Nick underscore Nolte, but it cracks me up. It's hilarious. <laughs> like I said, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's really him, but it might as well be. Did you guys know Nick Nolte was the first choice for Han Solo? I thought it was Christopher Walken. <laughs> <laughs> he took DC Cab instead, Nick Nolte. <laughs> ah, criminy Chewbacca just fit that horror that hyperdrive back there. Jeez. Ah, Forever in my mind now, Nick Nolte is from Entourage. I don't know if any of you guys watch Entourage, but he plays uh, himself, and oh, nice. it's pretty hilarious. I saw the first season of that and got extremely bored with it, so I didn't bother with the second season. Yeah, fine. All right, dudes, are we ready for Thor Volume Two? Yes. Nice. We kind of went long with... Uh, verily. We should say verily. Verily. Yes. Verily and forsooth. This is kind of like bittersweet, This doing this show for me, because I've been so into this book since it started up, and this news that JMS is gone is like just bugging me out really badly. Yeah. And, and reading this again to prepare for tonight was like, it really made me... You know, I realized how awesome the book is even more, and it kind of depressed me a little bit. This has been JMS's best comic work, in my opinion. Yeah, 
I would agree with that. And I, I'm, I think I heard the reason he's leaving is because Marvel is going to have this big event in uh, involving Asgard, and like they're kind of were forcing it down his throat. So he said, "No, thanks." Now he's at DC, isn't he? Isn't he doing the Red Circle books for DC? And the Brave and the Bold, yes. Right. Yeah, but he's still he's doing the twelve, I guess, still for Marvel. So he's he's still got some stuff going on at Marvel. So they, they haven't published an God, issue of that. That was so good. They haven't published an issue of that for what four or five months. Yeah, at least, at least. It's a great comic, though. I can't wait for them to finish it. Yeah, I mean, in a way, uh, I, I'm saying I'm um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm rationalizing it, rationalizing it by saying. You know, it's great. He did his issues. He did what he wanted to do. It's going to be an omnibus. It's going to be a beautiful book. I can drop Thor now, and it's a complete volume. You know, I guess that is a way of looking at it, but this was just... I I, I would have liked to see where he went with it without having to deal with an event, which is why Brubaker, you know, why Daredevil and Captain America and, and those books have been great, because they're letting him play separately. I wonder if there's any truth to that rumor that I heard about the event and Asgard and all that. I saw some quotes from him saying that there was no bad blood at all. Um, that he just... There were creative differences, but not, you know, where anything went badly, and he just moved on. And that's what's coming up. You know, the first thing that's coming up after he's gone is the, what is it, siege on Asgard or something like that? I'd bet my next paycheck that once he stops writing it, the book won't, will not last very long. Yeah, unless they get somebody really solid on it, you know, and stays consistent. But one of the things Casada said was, and I don't, I don't know if he was, if he was being tongue in cheek or if he was just being a little, you know, picky with him. But you know, JMS's deal was he wanted X amount of issues. I forget if it was ten or or, or seven or six or something like that, where he wouldn't have to worry and cross over into the other events um, or deal with an event. So from Quesada's standpoint, he's like, well, we gave him, you know, basically in the end it's going to be, you know, 14 issues or or something like that without where he didn't really have to worry about crossing into any events. And, you know, we wanted to do this Asgard event. And, you know, he pretty much said, you know, we kind of honored our commitment and, you know, this isn't something that JMS wants to do. So, you know, no bad, you know, like John was saying, no bad blood. And, you know, he's going to move on to, you know, do other things. So, yeah, I think the last thing I'll say before we start up uh, the book is what worries me the most about there not being a regular Thor book is the use of Thor in other books. Then, you know, he'll become the, you know, the, the bailout. Um, for other books, you know, like when when they write themselves into a corner, you know, let's bring in Thor and wipe out the Skrulls or whatever. So I kind of like JMS having his hold on Thor, but yeah, yeah. I think with Thor, you get a lot of the same problems you have with Superman because he's so powerful that it's hard to find a foe or a villain other than Loki, and in Superman's case, other than Luthor, you know, that can stand toe to toe with him. Uh, issue 600 here is a good example of that. But I think Straczynski was able to, to avoid that pitfall and just make it more about the characters and more about you know the return of Asgard and what it would mean if you know in Oklahoma all of a sudden right. there were this giant uh, you know North City floating there. And the first thing he did was depower them a little bit, saying that they were so close to Earth that they became all more like mortals, which they get into kind of in this uh, in this arc. Right. Oh, yeah. 
also going along with that, that's why I find uh, when reading uh, these issues that I really like the story of Donald Blake a little more when we get to those pages where it switches over uh, to, to the Donald Blake character. I, I get a little excited and I, I like to see what he's going through because I don't know, I just like that, that double personality almost. Yeah, the cool thing is Straczynski made um, Don Blake and Jane Foster actually interesting. Um, I've, I've never seen them written in such a way as they are in this book to the point where they're actually three-dimensional and they have their own you know, goals and they have their own ideas and, and thoughts and things. And I mean, for, I mean, the whole Silver Age uh, you know, and, and even in the Bronze Age, Thor, Donald Blake was nothing more than like a blonde Clark Kent. You know? He basically was just there for Thor to change you know, into. And in this, he really gives him a, you know, another dimension as characters. Right. And again, he, you know, what does he do? He separates them right away. So, yeah. you know, he kind of forced these issues to be, he, he forced the characters into being more three-dimensional by, you know, by moves that he made in the story. So, uh, if you followed Thor Volume 1 with the Legion of Dudes, which can be found in the archives of the website, uh, you know that in issue 6, it ended with Thor falling down from the heavens. He tried to get all of the lost Asgardians back in one fell swoop, and it took a great toll on Thor, and he falls down to the ground. And that's where this book begins. The Asgardians are dragging Thor uh, to his feet, and they're bringing him in. He's completely weak. Um, he needs to head to his chambers so he can go into Odin's sleep which is described as a kind of somewhere between life and death where a god can recharge his battery, um, so to speak. And we find out that a metalsmith had created a box that was um, has some magic in it as well, and it makes it impossible to break into. Um, it can only be opened from the inside. So when you go into the Odin sleep, you're protected from anyone who might attack you, because you'd be at your most vulnerable at that point, um, and you can only open it up from the inside. So Thor is going to uh, go into the Odin sleep to recharge, and the second that the that the box is sealed, Donald Blake appears, and apparently um, putting Thor between heaven and hell, or, or between being alive and dead, has has separated him from Donald Blake. So Donald's not quite sure uh, what's going to happen to him and I guess if he'll be reunited with Thor when Thor comes back and he kind of stumbles through Asgard to find his way back down home which is kind of an interesting scene I like the part where he references uh, Schrodinger's cat as well the, uh, yeah. there's a um, the whole uh, uh, physics uh, um, conundrum of the box being uh, closed and the cat inside either being alive or dead and we're not knowing until the box is opened uh, it, it, it kind of fit right, right in there. I love that scene where he's wandering around trying to find his way out, and he's like, anybody got a ladder? Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> the only mortal, and he can't fly around. There are some pretty good bits of comic relief in, in this book as well, which we'll get to, but I think he balances it out. It's not so dark and, and deep all the time. So now we get kind of this uh, Thor awakens in this kind of dream world, um, and he has these crows talking to him, and they're taunting him right away, calling him the Vain Prince. And uh, they begin to taunt him a little bit about why he didn't attempt to bring Odin back when he was able to 
begin to bring the Asgardians back after the cycle of Ragnarok was broken. So Thor is kind of wandering through this, uh, I guess we'll call it a dreamscape, and he finally stumbles upon his father, Odin, fighting Surtur, which I guess is revealed that he is the demon that usually brings Ragnarok around. So he's kind of in this cycle now in the Odin sleep where he must continuously fight this demon and defeat him. Um, and then Odin actually dies from his injuries. But then as the day ends, everything kind of resets. It's like a groundhog day from hell. Um, and they have to relive this battle every day. So this isn't the land of the dead that he's finding Odin in? It's like some sort of uh, um, something else? Well, Because I, I just took it as uh, him finding him in the land of the dead. Because there's that whole part where Odin says, you know, or Thor explains that he couldn't bring Odin back because Odin didn't die in Ragnarok. He died before. Because he could only bring the one, the Asgardians back who died in Ragnarok. Yeah, I guess it is the land of the dead. See, I'm not up on any Thor before this series. So is the land of the dead like the known place where the where the gods go? I think Odin is like after Ragnarok, his, his, or after he died, his like penance, as it were, or whatever, was that he has to continually uh, fight Surtur to keep him from taking over Earth. Right, right. Um, I, th- I think that's part of the actual mythology, um, if I remember correctly, because I know they use the same sort of mythology in the original um, Last Days of the Justice Society, um, story where they first tried to retcon out the JSA back in the 80s after uh, Crisis. Uh, they were caught in the land of the dead, constantly fighting Surtur to keep um, uh, him from taking over Earth or destroying it. Right. Interesting. Yeah, very cool. And the art is, like, outstanding. Yeah, um, Jurgevic is really solid for the, for the issues that he, he filled in. It made it, you know... To me, a lot less noticeable flipping between Koypel and Georgievic. I guess their their styles are. I mean, well, not exactly similar, but they they blend well, you know, together when when you kind of flip back and forth between the two of them. I was upset I at first when I when I found out that Georgievic was going to be doing a couple of issues, you know, because I think Koypel's stuff is awesome. Oh, but, absolutely. Um, and I'm not I'm not a fan of a lot of Georgievic's covers, um, you know, the painted look and just kind of sketchy, but the, the stuff on the inside is like completely different from his cover work, and I, I think it's really yeah. beautiful. Yeah, the detail, like on Odin, you know, when Thor finds him, and you know, all the cracks and scars and everything else, and the white eye and everything—it's just a lot of really cool detail that Jurgenic was was able to, to put in his art on these pages. Um, I mean, and that's been kind of the hallmark of this Thor book. It's been, you know, styles has been very, you know, a lot of attention to detail on. And armor and you know the dress and and things like that when they when they show the Asgardians. Now, which do you prefer? Would you prefer in an ongoing series if they switched artists as long as they were on the con- same comparable level, or whether they kept the same artist even though the book was late? Uh, depends on how late it is. If if it's you know kind of getting back, you know, Brad, you can chime in too when we're listening to Ethan Van Skyver. You know, if it's going to be six weeks instead of four weeks and they can same artist. Um, that to me, that's fine. I'd rather wait. You know, I'd rather wait the two or three weeks. If it's going to be four to six months for them to keep the same artist, then I would rather somebody just fill in and get it out and get it done. You know, sometimes when you have the same inker, um, a lot of times they can kind of fix it up to where the styles, you know, look a little, you know, um, 
you know, maybe a little more more consistent than normal, but, you know, uh, you know, it just depends. I'm not uh, opposed to uh, alternating artists um, if, as long as they're extremely similar or they feel the same, uh, like, like Koi Pell and Djurjevic here. Um, you know, but you, you had Koi Pell on the first six. If you stuck somebody in here like Humberto Ramos, okay, that's a little bit too much. I'd be happy to wait another month for Koi Pell yeah, to be do jarring. the next issue. But uh, I don't think... I, I think they're similar enough here that it, it does not uh, make it unacceptable to me. So, Thor approaches Odin, and um, Odin asks how Thor came here, and and Thor says through the Odin sleep, and and Odin says no, you know you're the you're the king now, so actually now it's the Thor sleep, and uh, Thor kind of backtracks the fact that he never revived his father, um, and says no, but you're here, you know I thought you were dead, I can I can bring you back now, and uh, and Odin pretty much tells him that he wasn't really surprised by this whole chain of events, and he goes back to tell. Uh, Thor, the story of when Odin was born, and his father is Bor, and uh, his father is the king, and they have a battle with some frost giants, and um, they lure Bor away from the group, I guess, and a and a mysterious uh, sorcerer, who we'll get to later, um, casts a spell on Bor and turns him into snow, and as Bor is blowing away in the wind, calling out to help to get some help from Odin, Odin kind of lets him dissipate into the wind. He doesn't help his father to bring him back. And uh, there's some narrative here that sh- that tells that Odin was kind of always in his father's shadow and always, you know, started to think that he would run things differently if he were in charge. Um, so he kind of lets his father die, basically. And he runs back to the Asgardians and says, you know, Bor didn't make it. I'm in charge now. So, you know, there's a parallel here. Uh, Thor basically did the same thing. He, he, he wouldn't resurrect his father after Ragnarok because he didn't want to go back into the old cycle. Um, he didn't want things done the way Odin would do them. He thought it was time to, you know, for the torch to be passed, so to speak. So there was a definite parallel between their two stories. And I think there's a line that um, you are your father's son. Um, is a line used a couple of times. So Odin is not really shocked by this set of events, and he doesn't want to be brought back. He wants to now do his job, which is defeating Surtur over and over again so he cannot um, enter the world of men. So they go on to that backstory a little bit. There's a great splash page of Odin holding a baby Thor um, at the end of the issue. This is almost like Odin year one. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right, and and Jim, to your knowledge, was Bor ever spoken about in the old, you know, in like Samanson's Thor run or anything, or is this? Um, um, as far as I know, this is the, the first, other than maybe made, uh, they've been made reference to uh, at another point. This is the first time I've, I've, I can remember ever seeing the character of Bor in the Thor comics. So. Yeah, I think I think he's doing a really good job of of filling in some some backstory. One thing I really loved and. And again, this this goes back to like reading Watchmen that I'm constantly looking for things that maybe not even there. But if you guys notice, Bor, his the horns on his helmet point upward, 
and Odin's helmet, the 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 points on the horns point down into the ground. So they're kind of like yeah. this kind of like this parallel from the beginning that they're just kind of like on opposite sides of the fence. I thought that was a nice touch. I mean, I, I guess it could just be coincidence, but someone who puts this much time into the art of these pages, you have to think that there's some thought going into it. Now that a, is that a tree trunk or is that a, is that a beard? Because that's a that's a mighty that's a mighty beard right there. Oh, that's that, a beard. Yeah, that's a big braided. Yeah. That's a ZZ <laughs> Top job. Yeah. Yeah, and then some. So then we get into uh, part two of Father Issues, and uh, we get we get a little more of Odin telling um, that he was haunted by visions of Bor. Um, ever since he didn't help his father um, make it through that situation, um, he's been haunted by Bor. And Bor tells him that he'll leave him alone if Odin takes in um, the the son of one of his fallen enemies. And so uh, Odin kind of goes through different battles and, and does his thing. And finally, he defeats these frost giants in this one particular battle. And he knows that this is the kid who he has to take in. Um, and it turns out to be young Loki, who is enraged by his frost giant father's uh, slaying. And he runs at Odin, um, screaming, I'll kill you, I'll kill you. Um, and some Asgardians stop him from ever reaching Odin, and, and they're going to strike him down. And Odin says, no, he lives, and he, and he comes with us. So there's more... Um, great backstory you know loki year one right there as we get the actual picturing of when the half brother that we've heard about from the beginning is actually taken in by odin so i thought that was really cool i never knew that yeah, loki was a uh, son of a frost giant yeah i didn't either yeah i'm pretty sure that's been his tagline right jim like he's he's always been the half brother and the frost giant but they never really spelled it out for you on a page like this I don't remember there being an origin like this. Maybe in the Kirby and uh, uh, um, Lee Tales of Asgard, they might have told this story before, but not this way. But uh, he's always been the half-brother. He's always been the adopted brother, the black sheep of the family. Obviously, god of mischief. Right. I thought it was pretty interesting how we see um, he's got the tattoos on his head, you know, of the horns, which, you know, later on when he, you know, whenever they show him, he's always got that, you know, helmet on or whatever with the with the way exaggerated curly horns on his head. Yeah, that that was cool. It's kind of like tagging him right from the beginning, so you know who it is. Mm-hmm. And did we, go ahead, buddy. Did we find out in the last issue why Loki is now a female? We get into that later. Okay. Okay. And how cool are the like wolf head pelts that uh, Odin wears on his coat there? Oh yeah. That's just good stuff. I want one of those. Yeah. In uh, in past Thor books, uh, he had uh, two wolves as pets. Maybe those are, are you know the wolves that had died or whatever, and he carries the pelts to remember them. I think one was named Fenris, and I can't remember the other one's name off the top of my head. But he used Thanks. to uh, he used to have pet wolves. I do know that. So there's a really cool segue here. I, I like how. Odin is saying at the end here, again, no, I'm, I'm going to stay here. You know, this is my purpose now. Um, it, it will be light soon, and he will be waiting. And then they segue to a, a box that 
in quotes, you know, somebody is speaking and it says, sorry to keep you waiting, Dr. Blake. And they segue into Donald Blake, who is looking for Jane Foster um, in a hospital. And Jane Foster is a doctor here. Um, is this the first time she's a doctor? She's always been a nurse, right, in the past. But is that something that JMS moved along in, in terms of, you know, make, modernizing it? Jim, do you know, or has she been a doctor already for, for past? That I don't. I don't know the answer to that. I'm sorry. That I don't recall. Her, I don't recall her ever being referred to as a doctor. I always, always remembered her as Nurse Foster. Right. Yeah, me too. She's she's been out of the main four books for a while. I mean, because because Donald Blake is you know was gone for a good you know chunk. Most of the '80s, it was he was you know Donald Blake wasn't a, a factor in the four books. He had a different identity that, that he carried around. They definitely haven't seen each other for a while because they even say, it's been a long time, Don. Yes, a lifetime, some might say. Right. <laughs> and Dr. Foster is uh, working in the oncology unit. She's taking care of an elderly uh, woman with cancer. And Donald, uh, they, they have a little greeting time, and um, they head to a break room. They head to a break room and, uh, you know, they're, they're giving pleasantries and uh, I'm glad to see you doing well, blah, blah, blah. Um, Donald is looking for Sif and he's going to get around to asking her immediately, listen, we have kind of like an emergency here. Uh, if Thor doesn't figure out who Sif is, what body she's holding right now, uh, she's going to die. And obviously she's very important to Thor, so Donald's trying to get to the point and... Um, Jane is pretty angry at him that she says she understands how important the situation is, but couldn't he just ask more about her first? You know, she's being a typical woman, wouldn't you say, Brad? Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> and and it gets into here that she was actually married, and she divorced her husband when she heard that Thor was back because it just made her mind go elsewhere. You know, she figured if Thor was back, there was a chance that Donald was back. Um, and this brought back all these feelings, and she couldn't go on being married with those feelings. So she left her husband in hopes that she would see Don again one day. And here he is, and he shows up, but it's not really for her. It's to find out about Sif. Um, she, yeah, she didn't just leave her husband here. She left her husband and her child as well. I thought that was uh, kind of bizarre. Yeah, that's a good point. It, it definitely adds some weight um, to the conversation. So we go back to Thor and Odin and... Oh, and Odin's trying to get Thor to leave so he can stay here and, and do his thing. And o Thor decides that he's not leaving until they beat Surtur one time together. So there's some pretty nice splash pages and battle scenes of Thor and Odin um, fighting Surtur. There's some real great art in that sequence. He shall not die today, speaking of Odin, Thor says, and... Uh, and strikes him down. So, and, and then we, we, we skip back to Donald who's hanging around the hospital. And this elderly cancer patient is kind of calling out to him. And um, uh, Dr. Foster says, you know, she's going to get to her soon. And, and how these patients, they can't. There's so much going on in this ward that they can't just, uh, they can't help all of them all the time when they ask for stuff. They have to learn that they need to wait. Um, which I think is all symbolic of, of what's to come on these pages coming up um, as we learn that Mrs. Chambers, I think it is, not Mrs. Rosen, uh, the elderly cancer patient, is actually Sif. A nurse 
a mysterious nurse who we can only believe is Loki. I think we officially find out it's Loki a little later on. Oh, no, here we do. When she holds up the mirror to Mrs. Chambers, you can see clearly that the nurse that has snuck in to help her is Loki holding up the mirror, and it's actually Sif in this uh, old cancer-ridden body. Uh, so Sif is right in front of their noses. Donald knew exactly where to go, but he hasn't put two and two together yet. Um, and that was a pretty awesome like cliffhanger, I thought, for the for the issue. You know, that Sif is right there, and it's kind of like a race against time now to find her. And go ahead, Jim. I was just going to say that really, uh, you know, before it's just like we don't know who Sif is, where she is. I mean, we found all the different Asgardians all over all over the place in different guises. This really puts a time limit on it. You know, this flips over the egg timer, and, you know, if he doesn't find Sif before this woman dies, he's going to lose her forever. Right. And and it was more alarming that Loki knew exactly where she was. So you're not only fighting the clock, you're fighting all of the mischief and obstacles that he can put in your way to stop you from helping her. So Thor walks out of the Thor sleep. The crows get him one last time as he walks out, um, saying that you're that he's forgiven. And Thor asks, forgiven by who? And they say, forgiven by yourself, of course. So... Again, it's that parallel that Odin was really fine with how things ended, but Thor was haunted by his memory, just like Odin was haunted by Bor's memory. And it's all playing into this cycle, which is really kind of symbolic of what this is all about, which is the Ragnarok cycle. Right. It's, it's almost like Odin feels it's his penance, in a way, that he should you know, be stuck there to battle this over and over and over again for what he he did to his father, you know, he has the opportunity now to, to make amends, you know, for not saving his father's life. And of course, Thor is full of guilt. And, you know, he eventually the crow tells him, you know, you've let the guilt go. So we're cool now. Everything's fine. You can go about your business. Right. And then in a, in a great little sequence on the next page, uh, Thor lifts open, he he awakens in the box, and he lifts open the box, and then there's three vertical panels underneath, and, and the first panel is Donald Blake standing between two regular dudes on a street corner, the middle panel has Thor stepping out of the box, and then the third panel is exactly the same as the first, only Donald Blake is gone. I like so, that sequence a lot, it's yeah, awesome. Yeah, so that just kind of answers the question that now that Thor is out of that state, you know... He's one with Donald Blake again. And that's pretty much for issue... That's pretty much it for issue eight. Um, again, we're left with that last panel of uh, Mrs. Chambers, the dying woman, looking into the hand mirror, and the reflection in the mirror is actually Sif. So we're left with that cliffhanger of whether they'll be able to save Sif in time. And they really were cliffhangers at this point, because I don't think the book was coming out regularly at this point yet. They, they we were ever find out gaps. why there was why there was so much delay in between. I'm I'm not aware if it was JMS or the art or I don't know. Yeah, it's another thing that kind of infuriated me about JMS leaving. I had mentioned this to the guy's last show. I think for the, for the time he was on the book, there should have been a lot more issues than what we actually got out of it. So issue yeah. nine starts us off with Balder, and Balder is definitely uh, pondering. As he looks out at at Thor flying away, um, and Loki is right there to 
sees the opportunity. She senses that he's definitely got some stuff on his mind. And she starts getting into his ear about, you know, is he really free? And, and, and Baldur's kind of with Thor at this point, saying, no, you know, Thor says we're all free to do as we wish. You know, and she's saying things like, are you really? You know, he's gone doing whatever in the world of men, and, and, and you are all up here, you know, with nowhere to go. Um, and there's kind of some play back and forth with Volstagg and Hogan, and they're all kind of... You know, you're you're Loki. We know better than to listen to you. And she keeps saying, but ah, oh, but not in this form. You know, have I lied to anyone since I'm back and, and I'm a different person? And she knows. Yeah, all those it, other times I made your life hell. Yeah. All those other times I lied to you. Right. All those other times I messed with you. Forget all that. It's kind of like Norman Osborn. Come kinda on. Like, mm-hmm. It's kind of like Norman Osborn running uh, Hammer. Yeah. yeah. It's crazy. I would I would like to point out to you uh, New Yorkers that Volstagg refers to Texas as a kingdom, so you best you best remember that. <laughs> Will do. Um, there are some good lines that I'm, I'm kind of skipping over, but Volstagg is definitely the comic relief for the book, and he's always got he, he's always got some good lines that kind of lighten things up. Um, yeah, he goes, uh, Volstagg goes, Hogan has gone out, killed several boars in the kingdom of Texas. Yes. And then Hogan says, that's true. <laughs> and that was actually and a the, great scene in the first volume when he's walking up carrying the boar and the yeah, son yeah. and the father have the flat tire and he kind of lifts up the back of the truck while they change the tire with the boar on his back. Yeah, and he tells him he walked all the way. Yeah, yeah, he finds it invigorating. Um, so then we get Loki uh, telling Balder that there seems to be frost giants in the Colorado Rockies. Which is comical to all of us, but when you think about it, you know, Balder wouldn't know any better. You know, there could be. It's mountains. It's, uh, you know, he kind of falls for it. And she sets up this dimensional gate, I guess, type of thing where he can walk through and be right in the Rockies. And um, Doesn't Balder have some sort of personal grudge against Frost Giants, too? Like, didn't they kill his family or, or something? Yeah. I mean, there's some mention of I, it. I think so. I think so. Yeah, I think as Guardians in general are not big fans of the Frost Giants. <laughs> they always seem to be the center of uh, the battles. So as Boulder, as Boulder kind of wanders off, uh, Volstag and who's my guy that sees into the future, Jim? Uh, Heimdall. Heimdall, thank you, Adam Reed. They're kind of talking things over in Asgard. And we get Bill, uh, Bill from regular rural Texas calling up asking if Kelda is home, um, which is pretty cool. It's a, it's a plot thread that they're picking up from the first volume where Kelda and Bill kind of hit it off and looks like he has come to visit, uh, come calling to Asgard for Kelda. Then we switch back to Balder and we see that there are, in fact, Frost Giants, but Loki is in the Frost Giants' ear kind of playing both sides here, telling the Frost Giants, don't worry about him. He's he's not going to be much trouble for you guys. Um, and, and, and it seems that she's setting Balder up to get taken down by Frost Giants. Quickly back to she, Bill. It seems, it seems like she's sowing the seeds of dissent now that we're going to see later as we find out more about Balder and about Loki's plan for him. Right, definitely. Definitely, and that, and again, just great. The art, I love that frost giant kneeling down next to uh, next to Loki on that page. That's just good stuff. Um, yeah, we're back to Quetel on the art. 
on this one, and it, you know, like I said, not not a horrible, not a not a huge difference, um, but noticeable nonetheless, and definitely for the better. Right. Uh, then we get a, a nice little heartwarming two-page thing where Bill is trying to chuck flowers up to the top of Asgard for Kelda. Uh, he finally ties a rock to them and hits her in the face. <laughs> <laughs> that kills me. Yeah, yeah. Like, I love where he goes, I didn't hurt you, did I? No, not greatly. Right, and right, goes, right. Your face will be fine. Stay there. I'll bring a ladder and a cloth. Yeah. And then we go back to Colorado, and there are some motorists, and their car is broken down. And what do you not want to wander up when your car breaks down in the Rockies? Frost Giants is the answer. That's the first thing on my list. Right, absolutely. And they're big and bad. Uh, So Balder seizes the opportunity. He tells them to stay behind him. He jumps in, and he's taken down Frost Giants in some very cool action scenes and uh they do end up getting the best of balder and as a frost giant is very happy with himself and is about to take balder down guess who saves the day it's loki uh stabbing the frost giant in the back uh making herself look very good to balder uh in her double cross of the frost giants yeah i love how she's symbolically and figuratively stabbing the frost giant in the back yes Yes, and then the cops show up, and uh, they want to know exactly what's going on. And am I to understand that the Frost Giants have disappeared completely? Because I remember that. It it looks like, because you don't see them in the panel, which makes me wonder if, you know, truly they were, you know, ever there or or not. Or if it was just, you know, an illusion or a trick altogether. Right, but in... Go ahead. But they are there because later the the cop, when uh, Thor is coming to pick up Balder and uh, Loki, explained to him that they thought they were people, but then they ran a DNA test on them. They weren't human. Right. So something's oh, okay. still there, but it's not giant. You know, it's not frost giants. They've like morphed into. They've turned into some other form. Right. I mean, he said that they they killed three humans kind of messed up but the blood tests show they're not human obviously you would know they weren't human if giant you know if frost giants were laying there yeah they were 12 feet tall right so they really didn't i I guess they didn't explain it exactly we get another page with bill he's uh he's visiting with kelda she's walking him through asgard everybody's kind of looking at him crookedly you know this regular uh human in asgard uh, then we get that police station scene, which is a pretty funny scene as well. You know, it's like Loki and Balder in, in booking. You know, it's kind of like <laughs> they show up on the uh, on like a regular cop show. You know, they're sitting like, there and booking. Like Loki's reading a magazine over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something. I like how Balder's like, wait, you know, I can explain. Blah, 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 and Thor's like, we'll talk about this later. Yeah, this isn't the you know, place. It's like, to... it's like when your mom picks you up, you know, after the cops picked you up, he's like, we'll talk in the car. Right, yeah. you've embarrassed us enough. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love the cop, you know, when he comes out there, he goes, the guy I spoke to at the Avengers place said this place of yours, and Thor goes Asgard, has some kind of diplomatic immunity. But he wasn't real clear on whether or not everybody who lives there is immune from prosecution. Right. <laughs> and then Thor asks, have they committed a crime? Hard, yeah, and this is where it's hard to say. I mean, it looked like they killed three humans, just kind of messed up looking, but the blood test showed these guys aren't human. Frost Giants. Yeah, that's what the other two said. And as they walk back into Asgard, we see that Bill is teaching them how to shoot hoops. 
and explain the uh, concept of a point. Right, right. Yeah. How can I have a point if I can't if I, if it's not? Well, first, I say two two pints. Two pints. Right, right, right. Okay, so then we have. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just. Uh, is this Brett? How can you know he has no points if you cannot see them? Perhaps he's hiding two points with which to attack you later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very good stuff. Very good stuff. Um, so we get Loki back in Baldur's ear, and she begins to explain to him that uh, it was not that his father was killed by Frost Giants. So their their Jim is probably your grudge that he has with Frost Giants. He believes that his parents were killed by them. Yeah, there's just a backup of hair. Um, in the middle of the issue, that when when Balder's in the snow, it says he, um, part of the text is, "My name is Balder. Left a foundling child after Frost Giants murdered my father. Though I have been called Balder the Brave and many other kind things by my Lord Thor." Right. So more so parallels, you know. Man. Yeah, it, it's more parallels too with Balder and Loki now. Right. You right. know, both children that were taken in, um, but Loki explains that that's actually not the case. That Balder is actually the half-brother of Thor. He is a son of Odin. He just had a different mother. And she reveals this to him, and there's a great look of shock on his face to end the issue. And that brings us into 10. So Loki these were... scares me. He yeah. slash she is just greasy, uh, smart, you know? It's, and it, it makes it... To me, it makes it even creepier, scarier when when Loki is in the guise of a woman because you know how many how many of us have had women you know hurt us in one form or fashion I thought you were going to say revealed that they were men (laughs) (laughs) that would be you alone (laughs) proud to say that's never happened to me Um, how many of us have put our trust in a woman it's not really so much that she, she, that Loki took the form of a woman. He specifically took the form that looked just like Sif. That's what I thought. I thought it was all like part of this mind game he's playing with Thor. It's like you don't know where Sif is, but here I am. I look just like her to remind you of your failure. It is creepy. It's definitely creepy, and you know you don't like it. You think she might be hot, but that's wrong. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think we've all seen girls like that. Um, but it's, it makes total sense that uh, she, um, not being able to corrupt Thor directly, since he you know, isn't having it, that she would go for his most trusted you know, right-hand man, Balder. You know? Right. So issue 10 starts off with like an interesting page. Um, it's down in Oklahoma, I guess. And um, you know, at, at the big street signs, uh, Asgard, five miles, and, and all these different kind of rural settings and People are doing some bird watching and stuff. And then somebody's looking through binoculars and they're seeing the conversation between Loki and Balder. Um, and they're just kind of wondering who knows what they talk about up in those high places. And then and, and that becomes very important later in the issue. Not very important, but it leads to a cool sequence later in the issue, which we'll get to. And, and here we get to find out what, what gods are, are talking about up there and Loki's pretty much continue, continuing to explain how this came about, and, and she kind of guesses that, uh, or she sounds like she's guessing, that they probably wanted to protect Balder. You know, she's kind of playing both sides of the fence. She knows that she's egging him on, but she doesn't want to be obviously 
trying to hang Thor out to dry because she knows if she plays that card that Balder will probably stay loyal to Thor um, and turn on her. Right, she's talking about how Odin was at the height of his power when this happened and there's a real Conan-like scene with the women everywhere and the food and the party and the booze. Um, Shows a little quick sequence of when he bedded Frigga, which is the mother of Balder. And they talk about how Odin saw the future for Balder and didn't want that for him. So they decided to keep it a secret that Balder was his son. So next, Odin rides off to get the answers to his questions. And he fights like some crazy wolves from uh, hell, it seems. You know, they're red-eyed wolves. And uh, he finds this demon uh, that is buried and the demon is very hungry, and Odin has nothing on him to feed the thirst of the demon, so he draws some blood, which wakes up the demon. And, and from, did you guys get the feeling that this was like the origin of the first vampire in this world? Because he says he would become the nightmare whose children still haunt the mortal world in search of blood. That's a good... Yeah, I didn't think about it like that, but yeah, I guess that's a, that's a good point. I didn't either, but that makes total sense. Right, and he's got yeah. fangs, and he's kind of like a vampire-looking dude. Yeah, yeah. Maybe JMS dropped that hint so he could draw that, you know, if he was planning on a longer run than he ended up doing on Thor, maybe that was a story thread he would have picked up later. Yeah, definitely. JMS does that a lot, and a lot of his yeah. stuff, he'll drop little things that could be a throwaway line but then lo and behold you know a couple years into his run he goes back and he did that with babylon 5 when he wrote that uh that tv show in the pilot and the first uh season of that show he laid some he planted some seeds that he went and picked up in the second third fourth even the fifth uh, um, episode, uh season of that show so jms likes to do that a lot it'll be announced at some point he's going to write to of dracula and it'll all come back to this and it's that the demon is actually a she, and uh, she thanks him for Aren't the blood. They all? <laughs> yes, <laughs> my mother-in-law listens, and this is all in jest. I'm not jesting. <laughs> I I thank you now with the prophecy of your infant son's life, death, and rebirth. So he goes on to she goes on to tell Odin that Balder is actually the beginning of Ragnarok. She told him that your death at the beginning of Ragnarok would herald the death of all gods. So Baldur is actually, you know, part of this cycle. And I think she tells him that he would be the one that would be stuck in hell fighting Surtur. And that's actually what they're protecting him from by not saying that he's the son of Odin as well. So... Balder confronts Thor finally again. Another great splash page. Balder showing up at the throne. Thor up high in the throne. And he's going to ask him, you know, what the deal is. It's a great yeah, splash. Splash, yeah. You can hear those big wooden doors opening. Yeah. So then we go back to Bill, who is flipping burgers. And there are some people in the diner where... Well, first we should say that Bill is preoccupied, uh, and they quick flash to a little scene from his night with Kelda, um, and she wants to know why he hasn't touched her yet. 
So that leads uh, somewhere off the page. Um, so that's preoccupying Bill and the, the regular like town folk at the diner are, are saying, you know, be careful and don't, you know, kind of that he's out of his league, you know, not to get his hopes up, you know, it's probably going to end badly. And then there's another guy at the diner telling him, you know, you only, you know, you can't miss the shots you don't take basically. So he's kind of encouraging Bill to, to take his shot. You know, what do you have to lose type of thing? Um, you could stay here in the diner and flip burgers, or you can take your shot with the goddess and see what happens. And then I, I, I think it's interesting to have this character of Bill, you know, as kind of representing, you know, either, I guess you could say us, the reader, or every man, you know, whatever, you know, kind of, you know, getting his big shot. And, you know, here he is, just an average guy, you know, never left town. And here he is now hobnobbing, you know, with the gods and getting together with, you know, this incredibly beautiful woman who's also a god. Um, I'm curious to see, I, I, I haven't read past the second trade, not that there's, I think, only been one issue released since then, but to see what they, you know, what they do with this character, if he ends up ascending to some more importance or if they, you know, try and you know, maybe give him some power to, to kind of bridge that gap or, you know, to see maybe him and Kelda, you know, end up getting a double wide in the plains of Oklahoma somewhere and <laughs> live happily ever after. I wouldn't be surprised if JMS wraps up Bill's story in that and his like uh, finale, you know, his oversized finale. Yeah. yeah, it definitely feels like it was something that was going to play out over time, and now yep. he has to force the issue, and he wants to finish the story, so he's going to use that double size to do it. Uh, one thing I do want to back up, I, I was half right. It turns out that Balder is the beginning of Ragnarok. If Balder dies before the Ragnarok cycle begins. He will not return at the end, and the lineage would be broken. So they, they didn't tell who Balder was to protect him from dying before Ragnarok began. Otherwise, he'd be gone forever. He wouldn't be able to reincarnate after Ragnarok. So that's why they were so intent on protecting him. It's a great scene where he tells Balder he knew. You know, he's known all this time, which I thought was really cool, because... To my knowledge, that's never come out, you know, before. So, you know, instead of him confronting and being confused, I thought it was interesting that Thor, you know, basically confided in him and said, you know, yes, this is this is how it, how it is, and that, you know, he makes a point of saying that him and Odin, you know, disagreed on many things, but you know, this is one where they they thought this, you know, this is for the best. Right. And he has a very human answer too. He kind of. You know, Balder says, well, why didn't you tell me? And, and, and Thor says, you know, I was seeking the answer to that question. And as the days and weeks passed, the question got more difficult to answer. You know, it's just a very human answer. Like, how many things do you procrastinate and you're just making it worse? Like, you have to break bad news to somebody, you wait longer and longer, and then it gets harder and harder to break the news. And then it gets easier for you to keep procrastinating because it's like, well, it's been six months and yeah. I haven't said anything. Yeah, so well, you don't know, it won't right. hurt him. <laughs> yeah, what's another six months or six years or six thousand years or whatever? It just comes easy to to uh, avoid. How many times have have we known we needed to to fess up to something and uh, we you know let time go by and just like you said you know why bring it up now? Right. Yeah. And I love how uh, if you see the page where Thor and Balder are sitting on the steps together and they're talking it over. On the on the panel all the way to the right, you can just kind of see Loki's shadow kind of lurking around. Yep. And then in the in the next page, 
all of a sudden her head just kind of pops into the last panel. And and then on the, the following page, she's totally interjecting herself into the conversation. You know, it's kind of like she's coming out of nowhere and adding her two cents in, which in this case is, well, it's always bad. But in this case, it's, well, there's only one thing left to do, you know, celebrate. She's making sure, she's making it clear that this is not a secret anymore. We're having a celebration. We're telling everybody. And I'm knocking Thor down a peg because now he has an equal. Plus, I mean, Balder's not only an equal, but Balder is will listen to what Loki has to say as opposed to Thor. Right. She's been working so, on so his trust. In, you know. Yeah, she's been working on his trust now. She was right about the Frost Giants, you know, in quotes. And she was right that he was actually a half-brother. So Balder really has no reason to question her right now. So they have their celebration. Volstag is very happy for the food. Yeah. yeah. I love that scene where the two older ladies are getting blown down the street when the Volstag blows on. And I love, yeah, I love that. And now, food. <laughs> right. And, and Balder kind of says to Loki, you know, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt from now on because you've done this for me, but don't abuse it. You know, I'm still on to you. I know who you are, and I'm going to have my eye on you. And then uh, in a great final page of the issue, which goes back to that first page of the people bird watching with the binoculars, uh, somebody's looking at Loki from miles and miles away in Oklahoma, and she turns and looks right at the reader, which in turn is looking right at the person who's watching her. And the kid is like frightened. You know, she looked at me like she knew I was there. You know, and then he says, I want to go right now, like he's frightened. And it just kind of gives you that feeling that, you know, what Loki's really capable of. And again, that creepy vibe. I thought it was get, a great page. Yeah, to get back to the to the splash on the page before, kind of something you uh, were talking about earlier is, you notice how Thor's in the background, which this is huge foreshadowing. Thor's in the background, and kind of the wings on his helmet are almost... You know, they're kind of, they're not pointing straight up. Yeah, they're flat. They're pointing, yeah, they're flat and back. And here we have Balder front and center holding up the sword, um, you know, with the feathers on his helmet pointing straight up in the air. Yeah, now that now that I think about, you know, the horns that we talked about earlier and now the, you know, the ears or wings, if you will, on these helmets, you know, it's also interesting that Loki has the curly horns. So he's kind of twisted. You know, there's the <laughs> there's the horns going up, the horns going down, and then there's Loki with the giant twisting vertigo style. Interesting. I think it's cool how Loki's horns go up, but they end up pointing back around at her, like, "Hey, look at me!" Right, right. You know, like, "Hey, it's all about me." I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it, you know, especially on that last page when she's when she's freaking that little kid out. Yeah, definitely cool. It's kind of reminiscent of, of like, devil horns, like Surtur, you know? Right. And the the dude in Legend, the Tom Cruise yeah. movie. Yeah, Tim Curry's character. So in Eleven, we open with, like, a big Asgardian game of Capture the Flag. Um, and it's kind of something they cooked up to let them get their anxieties and frustrations out without being in any real battles. Um, and it's it's brought up by Loki right away, um, you know that what's the what's the point of this? You know, are, are they really free? They're warriors. They're they're not even able to really fight. Um, 
and then it, it, there's no winner. You know, Balder doesn't he, – he's very conscious now that he's a king, that he doesn't want to show uh, favorites. So he kind of says that the one team was the winner, and it's Volstagg's team, and you get some great lines about uh, – some great jokes about Volstagg's weight and mead and things like that. And uh, he declares him the winner, but everybody's going to get the prize. So again, it's kind of more like spinning your wheels. Like there's no winner to this game, and it's a game that is ridiculous for warriors to play. It's just like time-consuming because they have no real place on the earth. Um, and in the meantime, Loki points out, you know, where's where's Thor? You know, he's off doing whatever. Uh, and we find out that Donald Blake is currently having dinner uh, with Miss Foster. So that's where Thor is. Um, and there's an, another pretty good bit of dialogue where the, the maitre d' or the waiter wants to take his stick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and Donald says, no, I like to keep it near me. And they kind of put a little cover on the stick so it doesn't look so unsightly in the nice restaurant, I guess. Isn't that what goes on the on turkey the legs? End, end of a turkey leg? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they're kind of having their second hello. It didn't go so well last time. And uh, this time they're drinking wine. And Don says he misses Jane. And Jane says it's good to see him too. And then we go back to Loki continuing to stay in the ear of Balder. Um, and we find out that there's been some trouble down in the courtyard. I do want to say that there was a nice bit of dialogue here where Baldur's kind of rationalizing, saying, well, you know, Thor, we're so far from, from down there, and, and, and Thor says that we should take it slow because it's very different in Asgard, and Loki kind of chucks a little pebble uh, off the side, and it just bounces down the steps, hits the side of a rock, and then lands in Oklahoma. And she says, the world seems not so far away, my lord, if a stone simply released can find its way there. So she's, you know, she's got the silver tongue. She's really on Balder constantly. Yeah, she's working it. Absolutely. So we find out that two of these Asgardians got a little drunk and uh, got into a little fight, and it ends badly. The one is killed, and... The killer in the fight is shocked. How did you know? How did he just die? And, and and Balder says, "Don't you understand? While we're on Midgard, we are more vulnerable, and the touch of mortality is greater." So again, it, this is what we talked about before we started uh, making the Asgardians more vulnerable, rather than having that Superman problem of how can any of them ever be beaten? They're gods. Well, they're not really gods exactly anymore. I think it's an excellent uh, choice, too, for, for uh, JMS to do that. I mean, it's bad enough having one guy, one character that's over, you know, supremely overpowered, but a whole, you know, kingdom of them. Uh, this is a good way to get around that problem, the storytelling problem of that. Right. And um, Boulder asks how this happened. And the one fighter says, he insulted me. He said, you know, I don't remember. And and Balder kind of says, this is how you value, you know, a, a life. You can't, you have these, you just killed a man over something you can't even remember. And there's Loki right again. You don't, you don't see her in any of the other panels on the page, but there she is jumping in. Well, what are their lives really worth anyway? You know, fighting these ridiculous games with no winner and these gods are, are have been lessened to this. What are their lives worth now anyway? She looks really freaky in that picture too. That's has a weird expression on her face and I'm pretty sure that that's a swipe from like a picture of Marilyn Manson. 
I see that sometimes in in her uh, in her likeness and stuff. Yeah. So we go to Donald Blake, and you know what I thought was interesting that this was the year after Cap dies, and we just got to a year after Cap dies in Captain America. I think I read something yeah. recently where JMS. Uh, I think it was it was maybe it was Brubaker that said that. It was Brubaker. Was it? Yeah, he said. Yeah, he said that was his one. I guess his one regret. He he pretty much let JMS do his thing when it came to to the scene that we'll see coming up. But he said the one thing that he wishes he would have known about ahead of time was the whole one year later thing because they had a bigger you know one. Obviously, Cap Six Hundred it was the big one year thing. Um, but by the time it kind of was done and over with, it was it was too late. So he just kind of let it ride. And uh, one thing that's important that's kind of in the background is all of the news reports of uh, Cap's death. You know, you see like TVs on several different channels in like a store window, and they're all talking about Cap. Uh, and Donald Blake goes to the cemetery. He's at the Cap monument. He kind of says his own goodbye to Cap or thank you, and he says, I'm going to let you guys, you know, I'm going to get out of the way and let you guys talk now, and he, he strikes the stick. So Thor shows up, and... Thor seems to think that he would have been able to talk to Cap's spirit, uh, but there's nothing here, just darkness, and then he screams Avengers Assemble in in a last-ditch effort to speak to Cap, and Cap's, what seems to be Cap's spirit, uh, shows up. It's a hooded figure. You can definitely see the white star on his chest. Um, It definitely seems to be Cap. There does seem to be a little bit of question of whether he's dead or not. I'm not sure if any of you guys can find the line, but Thor says something about him. Why does your spirit still linger? You know, why aren't you in Valhalla or heaven or hell or... um, There seems to be a little question where maybe JMS, you know, where Brubaker said, listen, you know, do it like like Russ said, do what you have to do with with your cap scene... Just leave a little doubt that he's actually dead. I mean, I'm sure they all knew that he was coming back, spoiler alert, um, eventually. But did you guys get that feel that the door was left slightly open for question? Oh, yeah. I, I, I get that feel, but at the same time, it, it doesn't feel... Spoilers for Reborn. Everyone's here has read it, right? Yep. Um, cool. He doesn't... In Reborn, the scenes you see with Cap, he doesn't know what's going on. With him, he doesn't. So this would be really weird that he would be that his spirit would be or whatever it is would be visiting with Thor, because he's very unclear in that first issue what where he's at. Right. So I thought that was a little bit weird. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it. They never really show his face either. I mean, it could be someone else. It could be somebody messing with Thor. Totally, you know. Although Thor seems to think that it's. You do see the A. You do see the A on his forehead. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is is easily, they could easily explain this away. I mean, you know, I guess what, you know, Cap was legitimately shot and, you know, maybe in the the instances between he was, you know, whatever, frozen in time or whatever it is, you know, this is, you know, he he did have a moment where his spirit was kind of leaving his body or, you know, this could, you know, very easily just be one of his time bounces, you know, maybe this is how it's represented. Um, here, I mean, we saw in, in Reborn, not to get too far on the cap thing, but we saw in Reborn where 
you know, the uniform and the style uh, that they showed for Cap, you know, whether it was artistic license or not, was much different than we've seen in the past in his World War II exploits with the, you know, the helmet and, you know, the, the band, you know, the, the big, you know, you know, belt with all the stuff on there. So, yeah, yeah, I think this is just one of those you just got to suspend it a little bit and just, you know, move on. And it's just kind of a cool, you know, moment between the two characters that they never got to have. So, Before they wrap up, Cap says that the one thing he's disappointed about is, uh, you know, he was always about the country. He wasn't about himself or, you know, the, the exposure or, you know, all the other things that came along with it. It was all about serving his country to him. So Thor says he wants to avenge the the people who killed Cap, and Cap says, no, you know, that's not necessary. Here, let me just find the line. Uh, Now they're trying to turn the symbol into whatever's most convenient, whatever whatever will best serve the political agenda of one side or another. I can hear them talking nonstop, the media, the press. So Thor says, you know what? I can't avenge you, but I'm going to give you some peace. And he goes out and he finds the satellite relay equipment for all of the media stations. And in the background, as Thor is flying out, you see all these different media outlets using Cap's name, you know, for advertising, for silly uh, talk shows, you know, just as a theme for a talk show. What would Cap say about which president would Cap vote for if he were here and you know, what spa would Cap use if he were alive? You know, they're just kind of like tainting his name and, and, again, using it for whatever's convenient, like Cap said. So Thor goes and strikes the satellites with some lightning, um, and all the feeds go down for uh, a short period of time as a little reminder to everybody and a, and a little uh, memorial for Cap, which I thought was very nice, very nicely done. Yeah, it was a, a good cool scene seeing him talk to Cap and it was even cooler when he gave Cap the moment of silence that he deserved I think it speaks volumes about just how important Cap is to the Marvel Universe when when somebody like Thor a god who by all arguments could be considered better or a higher you know stature or more important or whatever that he would actually take the time to pay respect to this mortal um, just speaks you know Volumes about how how much Thor thinks of Cap, and I—that's what got to me was that Thor knows he's a god, but he realizes that Captain America was something pretty special. So I'm going to do this for him. I just thought that that really touched me. Yeah, and it brings a little more um, weight to they've had Thor hating on Iron Man for a long time previous to this, so this kind of fleshes that out a bit like now you can really understand why he doesn't even want to look at tony because he held cap in such a high regard you know that that's that's the deal he's not going to forgive tony anytime soon yeah it'd be like if one brother betrayed another you know what i mean i think that's Mm -hmm. kind of the way he looks at tony because i mean him and cap and tony you know work together for so long in the avengers they know each other so well that's kind of how i see them as like you know band of brothers or something like that right and to have and to have one just out and out betray the other one to the point where one ended up dead right you know, it's just i can understand why he you know why he's as mad as he is to tony and why he has no forgiveness for him so loki's back in Baldur's ear again saying that uh you know we had one death uh, alar 
was the first, but he will not be the last. You know, again, saying that these guys are just like caged tigers right now. They're meant to be free um, and in comfortable surroundings. They can't be locked in like this. There's going to there's gonna begin to be more problems. Then they complain that, you know, the, the rightful Viking uh, funeral would be at sea, but you can't find any sea around here in Oklahoma. Uh, so they have to set him on fire. So again, it's just another little dig at their current situation, which is a pretty big point by the end of the arc. Um, Thor flies in. He knows somebody died because of the flames. Um, and Balder gives him the we must talk line. So they're going to... Balder wants to talk about the arrangement of them living above Oklahoma. Then we get one last newscast. Uh, and then the news is actually about the broadcast that went down totally silent. Came back again a minute later as though nothing had happened, you know, coming on the one-year anniversary of Cap. And we get that last panel, Balder and Thor definitely looking solemn, you know, with something big on both of their minds. And Loki in the forefront with the smirk, um, feeling that her plan is coming together nicely. Plus that caption box refers not only to Cap, but to Balder single death that changed the future for all time because Baldur's death is what caused uh, Ragnarok to happen. Right, right. Very good. That's a nice catch. I didn't, uh, I didn't make that connection. So, issue 12, we get uh, Loki on the town in Las Vegas, and because she is as hot as a she-male can be, uh, she gets hit on by some drunk dudes in Vegas, and uh, the guy's hand turns to glass. Uh, he kind of puts his hand on Loki's shoulder, um, and he freaks out. My hand, my hand, and uh, she turned it to glass. Um, then we get the line, parlor tricks, which is the quote from this uh, other being who Loki has gone to visit. Um, and she is very hot as well, and evil. And it is Hela, who I guess is some kind of demon, you know, guardian of hell type person. You know she's any background the goddess on her? of death. Okay, the goddess of death. Right, she's kind of like the Grim Reaper in Norse mythology. She comes to take you to, her and her Valkyries come to take you to Valhalla. Nice. So Loki defends, you know, she says parlor tricks at what Loki did to the man earlier. And Loki says, well, I'm just kind of keeping myself uh, occupied. And Hela says, well, so am I. And they kind of like show you a little glimpse of inside Hela's closet. And there's like stacked dead bodies in it which was excellently creepy and cool as well. Brings um, new meaning to the, to the term uh, skeletons in the closet. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so Loki has a little proposition, if you will, for Hela. He wants to travel in time. Uh, he, know he, he, he knows he can't do it in his current body. So he's asking that Hela separate him from the body, and, and, and he needs her to keep it. He needs her to keep that body fresh, so to speak, because if the spirit that is in the body leaves the body, the body will deteriorate quickly. Um, Hela immediately notices the body is Sif's and tells Loki that uh, he's playing a dangerous game at some point. That might not be right now. That might be when he comes back. And Hela wants to know what's in it for her, and Loki says, you know, is the fall of Thor enough? And Hela says, not really, but it will do for now. She returns Loki to his regular form, which is the form he needs to be in to travel in time. And she's holding on to Sif's physical body in the meantime. Um, so there's another great splash page of his in his regular form. 
um, looking pretty evil. And Loki's going to travel in time. The first place he goes is to where Boar is fighting the Frost Giants. And it turns out that... And then this is, this is probably my favorite issue um, in the book. It turns out that Loki is actually the sorcerer who turned Boar into snow. So he has gone back into time, told the Frost Giants to, you know, distract Boar, if you will, and bring him out to Loki. And then Loki puts the spell on Boar, turning him to snow. So he starts this cycle of, you know, Odin shows up and doesn't save Boar. So he has begun this cycle uh, through time travel, which, you know... There's time travel in a lot of books, but I, I thought it was cool the way he set this up because he showed us this scene much earlier in the book, um, and it was kind of an unnamed sorcerer, which we should have known because the horns on his staff are Loki-shaped horns. Um, they're curved, mm-hmm. just like his helmet um, and the tattoos on his head when he was a kid. But, Did uh, we see that staff in that previous issue? I believe we do. I'm getting a very uh, Terminator vibe from this whole time travel bit. Yes. They do show the, the, the full staff in the first issue of the book, and you can see that the horns on the staff are curved. So they gave a little clue early on that this was going to, you know, that this was Loki. So L- Loki says that he can't change what happened in the past, but he can make it happen. So he's kind of getting a kick out of uh, going back and forcing these events or molding them the way he wants them to be. Uh, Then he takes another trip and he speaks to himself as a child. So Loki starts questioning uh, his child self saying, is this what you really want? You know, do you want to, what do you think of your parents? And it turns out that little Loki thinks that his father's an oaf and his mother is stupid and 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 Loki says, wouldn't you like to be the, you know, basically the king of everything instead of following along in this life? And uh, little Loki says yes. And he says, you know, would you give up your mother and your father to get this done? And Loki says yes again. Um, so he puts into motion this plan and we sh- they show Loki sitting and eating with his father and through... You know, a little trick where Loki says, oh, uh, I heard that the Asgardians are forming somewhere. And uh, Loki's father, the Frost Giant, kind of dismisses it. And and Loki says, well, then it's right what they say about you, that you're a coward. And uh, Loki's father smacks him and says, I fear no one. You know, where will Loden be leading his army? And Loki tells him. So he's kind of the catalyst that gets his parents to attack um, Odin knowing that his parents will die in the fight. And and then uh, future Loki has explained what he needs to do to get Odin to bring him in. You know, that he should attack and make it look good because Odin will respect that. I thought it was really good use of time travel. There's definitely a lot of time travel now in, in a lot of the books coming out, but I thought this was well enough done that I didn't roll my eyes and say, oh no, you know, more time travel. Especially because I didn't see it coming. You know, we've seen these scenes before, and I never thought that this is where they were going. Well, typically with time travel, you know, they always do it to where everybody's in the background. You know, nothing's in the forefront, and there's limited interaction, and you try and do that. And Loki's goal here is to, to full front 
it, 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 you know, again, make your head hurt, but the reason he's going back to these particular moments is this is what he remembers himself as a child. And now that he's an adult, he realizes it was himself that met himself. Right. You know, again, he's, you know, he's, he's fulfilling the cycle because that's, you know, again, like kind of like lost. <laughs> he's doing it because it's, it's always, this is the way it, it always has been. This is the, the way it always will be. And in a yeah. group, I love the scene after it's done. You know, future Loki has done what he's needed to do. Uh, it went perfectly. The Asgardians walk off with little Loki and set the events into place. And then Loki feels the need to beat the dead body of his father and hack it up, mm-hmm. saying, you know, you will never strike me again. And he says, well, that was satisfying. And then there's a great line, if if mortals of a future age could learn to do that, you know, millions would be saved in therapy. <laughs> so he's just like an out there, violent, crazy dude. Mm-hmm. Um, he returns to Hela. This is when she says that she knows that it's Sif's body. And to be careful, Loki says he knows what he's doing. He re-enters the female form. That's a cool sequence when looks like his body's being absorbed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very into, cool. To her, yeah, I like that. With the hair flowing over the top of him. And uh, on his way out, Loki says, meanwhile, enjoy your diversions. And again, we get that shot of the closet with the uh, bodies dead bodies around. in it. And he says, I assure you that I will enjoy mine as he, uh, as he walks out. And I guess in the background, we get that Vegas scene again where he had originally turned the guy's hand to glass. So you get the idea that Loki's just going to continue to, you know, his diversions are messing up humans badly. What I don't understand is that originally when the story was told, I mean, Loki had an axe to grind with Odin because he killed his father and, you know, his whole tribe or whatever. Now, since Loki put those machinations into motion, that kind of takes away some of his motivation. You know what I mean? Like, he did it himself. It wasn't, you know, I want to get back at Odin and Thor because they killed my family and took me away from my tribe, da 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 It's, well, I just set all this up so it happened like this. Yeah, I guess it is a retcon when you when you look at it that way. Um, he does tell his younger self, you uh, you got to make it look good. you got to play it, play it, play it, um, you know, to the full. Don't act, you know, act like you're pissed, you know. Cry right. your tears, show your rage. You know, for all intents and purposes, when we first read about Loki, you know, whenever it was in the seventies or whatever, and we got his story about how he was angry and all that, still works. That perhaps we were only seeing it, what what we were only seeing what the old Loki wanted us to see. That he was mad at Odin, and that he, you know, we didn't have to know he was playing it up. And he was only a child, so he could have come to the realization, you know, he could have changed his mind, so to speak. Like, I can't believe he killed my father and, you know, he, he was part of it, but he could have realized that it was it was still a bad thing. You know what I mean? He was kind of like manipulated as a child. He might have, his views could have changed on the whole events. Okay, so now we're at issue 600, and this uh, is really cool. We get... Loki showing up in. So we're just gonna wait a minute. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. We're just gonna jump ahead 581 issues. <laughs> yes. <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> the joke. What about all the story in between? 
the joke that never gets old. <laughs> it's, he made a deal with Mephisto, Jim, and so all that wiped out, and it never happened. So it's okay. We can just jump to six hundred. Oh, okay. Thanks, man. It's magic. Yeah, we don't have to explain it. <laughs> Fair enough. So the title of six hundred is victory, and uh, we get Loki saying, "Beautiful, all my life, all my lives, I've awaited." Such a day as this, a day of, and then you get victory in giant letters. And basically, um, in another set of events that I didn't see coming, Loki has, there's a little flashback to when Boar dissipated in the snow for the people that might not have read that. And, and, and the last line by Boar is, find me in the snow. And Loki has a little bit of snow in her hand. And she has found Boar in the snow. Or maybe when she went back in time to that moment, she took some of the snow that she needed. However, she was able to do this. She blows the snow out of her hand and Boar reforms in New York City. Um, And not only has Boar shown up in modern New York City, she's thrown in a little distortion spell (laughs) to make everything that Thor... uh, not Thor, that everything that Boar sees look like hell. All of the humans look like demons. Everything looks like it's like it's on fire. The cars have these, uh, you know, the headlights are fiery eyes and the, the grills are mouths with teeth. And he just thinks everything is an atrocity right now. And he just starts swinging the axe and going at it in a total stupor, you know, of not knowing where he is or what's going on. In the meantime, we get Donald, who's doing his doctor thing, and he gets a call from uh, Jane Foster saying, I think you better get over here. There's a guy, you know, causing some problems that seems to be an Asgardian. So Donald hits the stick, bada-boom, takes off as Thor. Big bada-boom. Yeah, big one. Uh, Takes off, flies really fast. We get another page of this, like, hell world that Boar is seeing. Um, that is actually New York City. Thor flies in, doesn't recognize, you know, he's never met Boar, doesn't recognize who he is, asks, you know, tells him to yield. Boar sees Thor as a demon, you know, with a skeleton face and crazy looking uh, claws and things. Boar recognizes that it is Odin's power that is being used by Thor, and he assumes that this demon has stolen his son's power. So now he's really ticked at him. Uh, And there's a great many pages of a battle in New York City between Thor and his grandfather. And they go at it for a bunch of pages. Uh, Great collateral damage in New York City. Love the scene where Boar grabs Thor's hammer. Yes. And there's just that one block of captions that says, impossible. Because I think I've only ever seen that in comics maybe once or twice before. Like JLA Avengers, I think Superman wielded the, the hammer, and I think way back in the John Byrne Adventures, uh, um, uh, Count Nefaria grabbed the hammer too. And then G- Jeff Loeb ruined it in uh, in Red Hulk and had him pick it up. Uh, but see, there was that whole thing in Fantastic Four as well, where they tried uh, when Doctor Doom came back from Hell. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he thought he could pick up the hammer. But it was just cool to see him grab it and just see Thor impossible, you know. I mean, he, again, we're going back to what we said before. Thor's an overpowered character, but here's a, you know, a foe that 
can stand toe to toe with him if not defeat him. You know, just on sheer power. So they go at it for a bunch of pages, uh, a couple of spreads with no words at all, just getting thrown into cars and heads slammed into concrete and buildings exploding. And, you know, it's important because Thor becomes concerned with the civilians and that and that's an issue. Finally, Thor realizes he can't do this alone. He screams Avengers assemble. Um, We see the words assemble echoing through the city. A silhouette of what seems to be Iron Man hears the call. And um, again, we get bored, disoriented. Now the cops are there. They're firing at him. Um, He's about to throw a bus onto the policemen because, again, to him, they look like demons and and fire coming from the guns. And Thor tackles them last minute, tells all the civilians to run. Looks like he gets a nasty headbutt from Boar. No, I think it's fire shooting out of his eyes, maybe. You guys see that page? Heat vision. Yeah. And then Thor looks up, and it's not the Avengers that he knows that have assembled. It is the Dark Avengers. So we get uh, the Patriot, the Iron Patriot. We get Hawkeye. uh, We get Novar. We get... uh, our Venom version of Spidey, we get Dark Wolverine, and Miss Marvel, which is actually Moonstone. So this is the new, uh, this is the Dark Avengers, is the best way uh, to describe them. I like like the line right before the reveal, though. Speak the devil's name, and he shall appear. And so we have. Right. (laughs) And then that look on Thor's face, he's like, no. (laughs) (laughs) And then the reveal of the Dark Avengers. And Boar just kind of takes care of them. As easily as, you know, as anything, Iron Patriot gets a good shot in on Thor because Thor is telling them to stand down that they don't know what, you know, what they're getting into. And Iron Patriot is about to, uh, looks like he's about to give a little blast right into Thor's face point blank. Thor grabs his wrist and fires him, you know, through half a building into the New York sky, which I thought was great. That's just like good comic book moments to me. Yeah, almost uh, like that scene in Superman too, when who is it? When Non comes flying out of the, or was it Superman that come flying out of the street when they were fighting underneath? I guess it was Non when he came flying out and then hit the corner of the building and yeah, yeah, definitely. They clip to Balder and Loki. You know, Loki's there to break the bad news to Balder that I don't know what has happened, but. Thor is fighting his grandfather in New York City. You know, has he gone mad? So they're looking through like a crystal ball type thing, and uh, Balder can't believe what he's seeing. And they, and they kind of show you the the end of the fight through that vision. And Thor realizes that he's got a he doesn't know who this guy is or what's going on exactly, but he needs to take care of this because too many people are are in danger. And he gives one giant like Superman punch hammer swing down on Boar and ends it pretty much. Uh, another great splash, Thor bringing the hammer down two-handed on Boar. And just as he is dying, you know, Loki and Balder show up and, uh, and, and tell him, you know, Thor, he is Boar, father of Odin. You know, and Thor, of course, is completely surprised. Boar says, I have failed to avenge you. Forgive me. Um, still seeing Thor as a demon, so I guess he's talking to Odin at that point. 
saying, you know, he couldn't avenge this Odin for this person stealing his power, which he still doesn't understand, is Thor. Um, and he dies, so Thor is completely distraught. And, of course, Loki is there to relay the information that if uh, when an Asgardian kills a god, he must be banished for life. Did you uh, notice on that page right after he, he, uh, that final hit on Boar that uh, it actually was a strong enough hit it crushed his hammer? Yeah, good point. I thought yep. that was pretty cool. So that, yeah, it's, oh, yeah. I didn't notice that, but yeah, it's got a big old chunk taken out of it. Yes. Very, again, symbolic. And so Thor kind of takes it. He he doesn't fight. He just says uh, he's killed a king boar, lord of Asgard. So he doesn't have any words that can change that. Uh, what's done is done. Um, but I do have words to say at another time and another place, and I shall speak them. And I believe I know to whom those words should be spoken. And when I speak them, thunder and fire and darkness shall follow after. And in the next uh, panel, you kind of get uh, Loki with the, hmm, yes, well, you know, very, <laughs> very un, uh, unaffected by Thor's words, very happy with herself, himself, whatever we want to call it. And Thor basically walks off, banished for all time. Balder is not happy. Loki keeps laying it on. Balder basically tells her, you know, enough, shut your mouth. Next time I draw my blade, it will not stop on this side of your flesh. I like that look on Loki's face. Yeah. Yeah. Like, ooh, Turns around, okay. finds the, the blade under at her throat. It's pretty awesome. Um, and in her last bit of, uh, of um, tre- treachery, we'll call it, she begins to say to all these Asgardians, you know, this just isn't the place for us, especially now with Thor gone. You know, it's just not right. And we should be in the snow and the mountains with things we can hunt and and have the land to ourselves and and they say, well, how you know how are we going to do that? You know, where would we be welcome? Well, I have spoken to the king of this land and he has invited us all. And they say, well, you know, spit it out. What is this land and 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 who's the king? And you turn this page and it is the kingdom of Latveria and it is King Victor von Doom. Awesome so, twist. Yeah. And, and a great picture of Doom, man. That's a really nice rendition of Doctor Doom. Uh-huh. I agree. Kind of like, the, you know, dusk is, is coming and, you know, Doom is just overlooking. But, yeah, that was just a awesome. And it makes total sense. You right, know? because of Dark Rain, which I'm thinking this all came out before the last issue of Secret Invasion. Or right around the same time, maybe. Yeah. I think they'd announced you know, who the cabal was at this point. So Loki, it, Loki's it in the perfect, cabal, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. It made perfect sense. But and it's so just, is you know, Doom. <laughs> yes. But it's just so cool that, you know, this whole thing has been plotted. You know, just again, the show, when you put a creator on a book for an extended period of time and they have a vision, you know, to see how all this stuff was laid, all the seeds were planted to take you to this moment for Loki, which, I mean, you knew right off the bat when Loki's coming in, no matter how... You know, she he said, you know, my stripes have changed. I'm not going to lie. This that you know, uh, of of course the the god of lies is is constantly lying. So you're just waiting waiting for it to come, and it just you know throughout these you know 13 issues, it's just been one thing after another, setting on the path to to get us here. Yeah, you know, I'm interested to see. Can we talk about see. the backups? I actually or? don't have the backups in the hardcover. 
They went to some uh, variant covers and sketches and things like that. So it actually ends with um, with do- with the Doom page. Oh, okay. Anything good in the backups, like key stories or anything? Or Floppy has a uh, Thor-centric Avengers story written by uh, Stan Lee with uh, art by David Aja, which is pretty cool. If oh, uh, nice. you can get past... If you can get past Stan, Stan Lee's kind of clunky 60s style dialogue. And then there's uh, a Chris Garusso who does the Little Marvels comic strips. Right. Who did a Welcome Back Thor. It's kind of a comedic uh, cartoon. All, you know, little kid Thor, little kid Iron Man, you know, all dealing with the fact that Thor is back. It's pretty funny. And then they also finished out the issue with some uh, reprints of the uh, what used to be the backup in Journey into Mystery, Thor's original comic. Uh, the Tales of Asgard, uh, done by Lee and Kirby back in the day. And these stories are focusing on Balder, which is a totally good idea because, I mean, Balder is kind of a, I guess it would be a cipher to a lot of people who hadn't read Thor for a long time. This kind of fills in his character blanks. Very cool. Yeah, I thought, and that was all in 600, Jim? In my copy, yeah. I thought 600 was, I'm sure it was, uh, I don't know if you're holding, the, if anybody's holding the floppy, I'm sure it was like a $5 book or whatever, but... I thought 600 was like a great package overall when, when I bought it as a floppy. I thought it was a great issue. I thought, you know, it was packed with cool stuff and, and the, you know, the uh, the backups and everything. It's one of my favorite issues of the year, definitely. It is $5. And, uh, there, uh, yeah, it's I meant to count the story pages. In fact, I'm going to do that real quick. The Thor story pages anyway. Overall thoughts? You want to go around and just kind of sum up? Thor Volume 2? Feelings? Yeah. You go, Reed. I think I liked Volume 1 a little bit more. I liked uh, the whole journey. Um, But that's not to say I didn't like this one. Um, It's definitely building to something, and it really makes me sad that Straczynski's coming off of it because I think this is something, you know, kind of like with what Brubaker's done with Cap or or Daredevil or or any of his characters, and just building And I really think it could go on for a long time and it could continue to be great, but it's really sad to see that it's coming off of it. But, uh, all in all, it was a good issue. Uh, just building more towards, uh, uh, in game and I'll, I'll continue to read Russ. Yeah. I, I you know, I, to me, I liked it just as much as volume one, you know, volume one has the setup. So sometimes it's hard to, you know, get past that, you know, and say something's better, but this just really reads as one big cohesive story. And I can't wait until, you know, I've, I've, I've got the, the, the monthlies for, you know, what essentially is the first hardcover. And I, I bought the second hardcover and then, you know, switched after that. So I, I am, I would almost assume that this is going to be absolute or, uh, on the, on the bust, if, if that's the right word for it. And I, I can't wait because I think in the oversized large format to have all these issues at one time, I think it's just going to be an awesome read when it's all said and done. Um, you know, just the way everything has been plotted and set up and slowly developed and, you know, getting to that end game where, you know, the Asgardians are all going to leave and go to Doom's castle, I think is really cool. The whole, you know, the whole, you know, concept of them really bringing home that, you know, these folks are, you know, the, the Asgardians are now, you know, closer to Earth and, you know, like we talked about, you know, they're more, you know, human, closer to being, you know, true human as they're in Midgard it was an excellent um you know, thing to throw in there as well. So, yeah, good all the way around. Brad, how about you? I'm with Russ. Uh, to, to me, both volumes, it's just like one continuous story. Before 
the, uh, Straczynski took over, I didn't give a crap about Thor. You know, I just didn't. He was not somebody I could relate to. Um, but JMS, you know, made me care about the character. Made me he he humanized him a little bit. So uh, I was very impressed with with the whole deal. I'm also looking forward to that big hardcover collection that can only possibly be coming. I mean, it's got to be. We talked a little bit about the art, um, the coloring in this, in all of these issues so far. And there's been three or four different colorists, but the coloring has just been phenomenal. Just beautiful stuff. As um, time goes by, I continue to be more and more impressed with the, the coloring process. And um, I, I really think the coloring had a lot to do with the mood that that this book uh gave off and uh it's just like i said it's just been it's been fun to read about thor when in the past i haven't really cared enough to you know he was always a one-dimensional character to me but he certainly isn't after this uh after this stories jim well other than some like really stupid things that marvel had just done recently like uh one more day and stuff like that um i think they've been really smart with a lot of their core characters they're really they're getting you know A-list writers like Brubaker and, and Diggle and and Fraction and everything to take these characters that have been kind of gathering dust for a while like Iron Fist or um, or Cap or Thor even and taking them with some fresh ideas and really making them interesting. I think this is probably one of the best Thor runs I've ever read. I'd put it right up there with the Jurgens run or the Michael Avon Emming run or the uh, or the Simonson run. Uh, like Brad, I really hadn't been following Thor for a long time, but I'm glad that I picked up this. Uh, the art is outstanding. The storytelling is really good. And I'm just as bummed as the rest of you that JMS uh, split because I'd love to see the rest of the story. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I actually think I like volume two better than one. And I love one, um, but 600 was a great issue, and I really loved the the way the time travel. I loved Loki. I loved watching Loki's plan unfold, um, and I think it really kicked into high gear. And I just love the, the the little bits of comedy thrown in. It rings true to like Volstagg's character and, and you know the other Asgardians, and the action was great in 600 and some of the other battle scenes with the frost giants and all that stuff but the topper for me was really when loki visits hella and puts that plan into motion you know i thought that was just fantastic so i am bummed i will get the omnibus and have they even officially announced whether it's continuing after the event i haven't like, heard anything like about that yeah marvel's been kind of like underhanded with that stuff like just to go back to Iron Fist quickly they're doing those one shots for the immortal weapons right now and they haven't they haven't said anything about like the the book after that point you know and they seem to be doing that with Thor too I think it's kind of under wraps what's going to happen or do you know something Russ no I don't I, I don't I mean they haven't come out and said one way or the other I mean I think the assumption is it is going to it is going to move on and that the event they're planning is, you know, according to what um, Casada has said, apparently this this upcoming Asgard event is going to be the last big Marvel event um, for at least a year. That there's not going to be, 
any other kind of big, you know, line-wide crossover that um, that the events, so to speak, will be contained within each separate subset. So, like, within the Avengers, you know, they might have something going on that crosses those books or with the X-Men books, but that there's not going to be any kind of big line-wide cross. And part of that is, I think, to give the creators some time to, you know, develop you know, develop into, you know, their own stories and not have to worry about this big overarching thing that's been going on since, you know, pretty much Civil War. So so that that's the plan. But yeah, he hadn't specifically said, you know, anything about Thor, but I'm I'm assuming since that's gonna be the the the, the linchpin of whatever event's coming up that the monthly would go on to coincide with that. They did some one shots um with Thor. I have um, those by the way. They were they're very good. Yeah, yeah. And were they all Matt Fraction? Fraction? Matt Fraction wrote three of them. He a wrote, lot of them. Not necessarily in this order uh, of publication, but he wrote one called Reign of Blood, Man of War, Ages and of Thunder, or God Size Ages. Let's see, uh, Ages of Thunder. I don't have that one with me. Maybe I do, and I don't see it. Um, Alan right. Davis wrote one called The Truth of History. I read but, that uh, one. That was pretty good. Yeah, I've Matt heard Fraction one shots were. Awesome, and they were like a continuing story. Even though they were published as one shots, they they kind of played off each other. Right, very, very good. Well, that's my hope. I guess. I guess best case scenario is it's Fraction that takes over, and you know he seems to have a real idea of what JMS was doing with the character and like playing off that. So maybe something good will come out of it, and maybe JMS will do other good books, and everybody will win. But hey, uh, see. Wh- why don't we? Um, Gab a little bit about the uh, Thor movie. There's been some recent news. Uh, you guys know who has been. Uh, maybe I'm late to the party, but I I just heard who they picked to uh, play Thor in the new movie. I forget the guy's name. He's from um, Christopher Christopher Helmsman or Hem Hem Chris Helmsworth. Helmsworth. Thank you. Helmsworth. He played. Uh, he played George, George Kirk. Kirk. He played George Kirk. Yeah. Uh, he, he actually Trek. looks. Uh, I'm looking at a picture of him now. I mean, if you think about the way he looked in Star Trek, I don't. That really didn't scream Thor. But I'm looking at a picture of him now on a, a website, and uh, he he does look like he could uh, pull it off. And who and then, they just uh, named for Jane Foster? They just named it. I'm just drawing a blank. Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman. All right, right. Yeah. Uh, yep. Natalie your, Portman. Your future ex-wife. <laughs> and uh, a, another current rumor also has. Um, Jessica Biel uh, being considered for the role of Sif. Interesting. Uh, but they've also ca- they also cast Loki, but it's a British actor I'm not familiar with. I can't yeah, remember the guy's yeah. name. But he has that Tom, kind of face. Tom um, Hiddleston, fit, I believe. Thank you very yeah. much. You know a lot of stuff. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I also uh, Kenneth Branagh's directing though, right? Yes. Which that's you know. Being you know the big Shakespearean director, actor, uh, it would be interesting to see what the you know take ends up being on on the movie. I think we've all kind of speculated here and there. I think a lot of us are hoping that you know the way, and we've we've heard that a lot of it's going to take place in Asgard. But I think a lot of us are hoping that either the whole thing is in Asgard, and then maybe at the very end, you know, you show Odin banishing Thor to Earth as Donald Blake and. You know, maybe the Avengers movie picks up with him regaining who he is. They've announced Odin also, and I'm trying to remember who that was. Oh, Brian Blessed. That's right. 
Yeah. Perfect. That's perfect yeah. casting. What has he been in? He was. He's best he, known as the leader of the Hawkmen in the Hawk Flash Gordon Hawk. movie. Nice. Yeah. Or the Hawk People. Sorry. Okay. Okay. And, uh, Any he's voice? Also, uh, he, he's also. He's also worked with Bernard a lot, a lot of times, playing Falstaff in various Shakespearean plays. Yeah, he was uh, the voice of Boss Nass in episode one. Misa like a D's. You guys know the that the Thor movie, Captain American Avengers. They've all been delayed till 2011. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. It's probably a good thing. Probably a good thing. Yeah, we'll get Iron Man two in 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 ten. Right. Speaking of Iron yeah, Man Two, did you guys see the pictures of uh, Scarlett Johansson as a Black Widow? Yes, I yes, did. I did. <laughs> Good yeah. stuff. Oh my! Too. <laughs> they just wrapped filming. Principal I know. Uh, I know your own Ken Morgan uh, follows John Favreau's tweets. I haven't. I haven't done that, but uh, every once in a while he'll retweet retweet something from John Favreau, like uh, a couple of uh, shots from the set and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Favreau pretty much tweets every day from or tweeted every day from the set, you know, saying, "Oh, we're doing night shoots this week. We're doing day shoots." Yeah, I uh, hate my life. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Yeah. The, I remember the one tweet he said. He, he walked into the uh, the set of Tony Stark's new workshop or whatever, and was you know, was blown away by it. Um, I guess he really liked the work he got out of Mickey Rourke and and Skoja. So, hopefully, I mean, it'll be as good as the first one. By the way, um, just back on the Thor real quick, uh, the Secret Invasion three-issue three miniseries was also written by Fraction, and I, I enjoyed that as well. I thought it was pretty good, too. Yep, I agree. I actually picked that one up on a whim, and I ended up going back each month and, and picking up the three issues. It was pretty good. I'm hoping that, uh, like in Volume 3 of um, Thor, let's see, Volume 2 ended with, what, 600? So that means we got right now we've got 601 and 602 that have been published. Do we know where what what the plan is after that, or is is the next thing the big finale issue? I'm not sure how many issues before before the big giant size one. I think 603 is the last one before the giant size. Yeah, think- one of the one of the months in between is the trial of. It's another one shot, so it's not in this story. Okay. So I, I think there's like to- another issue, the Bill giant size thing. I was trying to figure out what would be in the volume three, and I basically was hoping that there would be enough room for those Matt Fraction and Alan Davis one shots to be included. They might have to, because otherwise it's going to be 601, 602, 603, and then a double. I'm assuming what's going to be a double sized, you know, the giant size will be probably like 48 pages or, or whatever. So you're really talking like a five issue hardcover, which is, or, you know, trade, which is pretty lean. They might go right to the omnibus. They might. Uh, yeah. They might skip a volume three altogether. Those uh, one shots. I thought those were already. I I thought I saw those. So they already in a hardcover. Yeah, they are. They are. Are they yeah. really? Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So if they may, if there's it's a one all, shot, you know, Thor by it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Man. But they may have to throw the the remaining one shots or whatnot into, you know, into that hardcover just or trade just to just to balance it out so it's not so so thin. It's going to be All-Star Thor by Frank Miller and Jim Lee. Let's hope it would be not, I guess I guess with the omnibus cuz it would technically be I guess at that point this is what 13 issues. It, I guess the last one was 6, this one's 7. So that's 13 and then you know three more 
Um, so it's 15 and then 16, so 17. So I wonder if they'll add the one shots into the into the omnibus. Depends um, if they want to do a giant omnibus like Cap, or if they just you know the, the Iron yeah. Fist was 16, and it was kind of like a yeah. nice size, you know. Yeah, yeah. I guess it depends too how they if the, if it's the JMS Thor omnibus, then it would just be his stuff. If it's you know kind of like they did with with Iron Fist, it's just you know the immortal Iron Fist omnibus, and they didn't specify. You know, creator necessarily. Right. Well, thank you, everyone. Thanks, Brad, for uh, joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. Let me play around. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Reed, for uh, for coming around again. It's good to have you back. Thanks, man. I thank Jim and Russ as well, even though I talk to those guys all the time. <laughs> and check out the website hhwlod.com. Get us a voicemail. Tell us what you want to hear. Get ready for episode 50. I think we covered it all. I think so. Yeah, if you want to win some valuable prizes, either leave us a question in the forums or join us live August 2nd for episode 50. And uh, we have a giant boatload of prizes to give away, so you don't want to miss out. Half hour wasted on Mondays. Legion of Dudes on Thursdays. And we'll talk to everybody real soon. Have a good night. Later. Good night. For Asgard. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard.